1: Just after four o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, it's time for our topical Tuesday. The and, the and the second Tuesday of each month, it is hurling Clark's law, law, law talk today. Law it means Kristen Shireman that rhymes with fireman. That joins us here in studio on the second Tuesday of each month. How are you, Kristen?
2: Good. How can you not get pumped up when you hear that song? <laughs>
1: I'm like that one of the theme songs of the show.
2: Yeah, you don't even need me to talk. Just keep playing the music.
1: <laughs> We've all sudden turned into a music station. <laughs> Goodness. Hey, if you've got any kind of uh, questions uh, that pertain to uh, pretty much anything going on as far as uh, law talk, give us a call, 281 1150. We're here until five o'clock, taking your calls, 866 887 1150. can also uh, jump online to whby.com. That's where you'll find the podcast for this show and other shows as well. And uh, just click on contact us, and it'll go into the inbox, and we'll check that uh, throughout the show today as well. Well, how you been lately?
2: Good, except now I'm totally distracted by that Toyland commercial, and all I can (laughs) think about is that big JCPenney catalog I had as a kid, and how my daughter will never know what that is. Oh, goodness. Nothing to do with law talk, but... I
1: can't believe it's this weekend. I know. They open up Toyland this weekend. Unreal. And it's, I mean, it's, it's still, I mean, it feels, it still feels right now pretty good. You know, we're in the mid 50s. That's, that's where it's supposed to be, right? Yeah.
2: Last time we were here, I think they had the air cranked and it was 90 degrees and Judge <laughs> McGinnis and I were sweating in here, but this feels like, like fall. So I guess where we're supposed to be.
1: All right. eight one eleven fifty. We got uh, a couple different topics that we're going to hit on, but we also have a, a special guest. You want to?
2: Yeah. I tracked down a local celebrity in the hallway because who wants to listen to me for an hour? So, uh, we grabbed our, uh, in-house famous guy and he's going to uh, tease in a little bit later fun for all he's actually sitting right here if anybody's watching this live It's not so secret anymore.
1: Our in-house famous guy.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm calling him.
1: (laughs) Uh, What else uh, might we want to hit on today?
2: Um, I think we were going to just talk generally about a lot of the things we hear from uh, people who have been in accidents, questions they have, and maybe shocking to hear from an attorney. But there's a lot of situations where you don't need an attorney. And I think that's one of the... Uh, biggest misconceptions out there is that if you're in an accident, the first thing you have to do is lawyer up and call a lawyer. And, and sometimes that's not actually in people's best interest. But we can talk through that today.
1: Okay. So what is the, the the first thing besides, you know, well, I guess that is the first thing is just to to try and stay calm. If you are in an accident, what's the first step?
2: Uh, First thing, obviously, is make sure you're okay. Make sure the people involved are okay. Um, You know, a lawyer is not the person you should be thinking about at that point in time. So if if anybody's been injured, if you think anyone's been injured, um, contact the police. Uh, The police departments around here are wonderful at responding in situations. Um, Again, if possible, and again, this doesn't come from me, but you can go out on a lot of the websites around here put out by police departments, make sure you're safe. If there's a way that you can get out of the roadway so that you're not in the middle of a highway or in the middle of an intersection, uh, again, if it's safe to move your vehicles, do that. Uh, Look for local parking lots, gas stations, places where you can safely remove yourself so that you're not in harm's way for another type of event. Um, And then exchange information with the people involved, again, if you can safely do so. Um, Number one, if you cannot, just call 911. Call for help, and you'll get people there who respond. So it Um, is
1: okay to get out of your car, though?
2: uh, Again, you have to use your best judgment. If there's a bunch of traffic, um, the goal, and, and most police departments will tell you this, is if they get there, they're going to try to divert you. So if you can do so safely without causing another problem, do so. If there's traffic all around you, don't you know try to get out and direct traffic yourself. That would be silly. But a lot of times what you see are rear-end accidents or roundabout accidents where you can safely move your vehicle a few feet just to get out of a path of traffic, uh, get to a point where, again, you're not impeding traffic or causing potentially another crash. Getting vehicles to the side of the road, we've all seen the phenomenon where people slow down and they watch for the crash, and then all of a sudden there's more activity going on. So if, again, in a safe and reasonable manner, you can get yourself safely out of the crash site without a problem, do so.
1: So that that would not be classified as leaving the scene of an accident. No.
2: no. Um, Again, if you drive off, you know, two hours and don't contact anyone, that's obviously quite different. But if you're simply trying to remove yourself from a situation where other people could be hurt or you could be hurt further, no one's going to take issue with that. Um, Again, if you can safely communicate with the other driver and just say, let's, you know, let's get the vehicles over here and, and you can do that cooperatively again, without walking into traffic or putting yourself in harm's way uh no one has a problem with that
1: okay so but <laughs> you do not want to Drive away from any kind of accident, though, right? You
2: do not want to leave the scene of an accident. What would
1: people be looking at if they do?
2: Uh, There are citations available for uh, hit and run, for leaving the scene of an accident. And again, it's just problem on top of problem. So uh, the best thing to do, again, if there's any doubt, contact the police. Um, The police are not the bad guys. Uh, They are there to help. So the the best thing you can do, you know, there is a statute that talks about what a reportable accident is and a non-reportable accident. I've always told people, I don't know that you're in any position to make that assessment in the moment. Um, I'm not a mechanic. I, you know, You can look at a vehicle and it may look like there's not a lot of damage and there is underneath the carriage or there's things that you can't see. Safest bet, call the police. It's documented. There's no additional concerns that you have about leaving, not getting the right information to the right people. Um, And again, um, you know, while you're waiting, you can always exchange information with the other driver if you're comfortable. If both parties can safely remain in their vehicles, the police are going to collect all that information uh, nowadays anyways. Uh, With the law change a few years ago, everyone is required to carry insurance. Uh, That doesn't mean that they do. uh, And we do see citations given for people not carrying the requisite insurance or not having proof of insurance, which are two different citations. Um, but again, if you're comfortable exchanging that information, otherwise when the police get there, they are going to collect all of that anyways, and that will all be generated on an accident report. It's
1: so Law Talk with Kristen Shireman. Any kind of questions, give us a call, 281 Let's head over to the phone lines. You are first up today on Law Talk. Who are we talking to? Uh,
0: Gary. Hey, Gary, what's up? Uh, well, this is something that uh, you can go to any community in the Valley here, and it's the same old situation where the local uh, authorities abdicate the responsibility for uh, maintaining uh, vision triangles at intersections for example
2: they'll allow power poles with these
0: you know 15 18 inch uh, steel bases to obstruct the view along with traffic control uh, uh, mechanical electrical uh, control boxes and uh, Along with in residential areas, shrubbery and assorted things, and I'm wondering, why does that, why is that allowed to occur? Thank you.
2: Thanks, Gary. Sure, that's a good question, and I guess the assumption there is that it is allowed to occur. Um, if an accident happens, and uh, we've had these cases, we've tried these cases. They can be difficult, but if an accident occurs. And um, part of the theory of negligence, so anytime you're in an accident, before you get to someone's damages, in other words, what's happened to you, before you can get there, you have to show that someone or some corporation or person was negligent, meaning that they had a duty to do or not do something, and they breached that, and it caused you to get hurt. Um, So there have been cases we've had where there's been an accident, and part of the theory was that perhaps the driver who entered A controlled intersection couldn't assess that it was a controlled intersection, meaning that they couldn't have stopped at the stop sign because it was obstructed by a utility vehicle or by untrimmed shrubbery. Um, So there is a possibility, if that happens, to include the parties responsible for those obstructions in the case. Um, It can get complicated, of course. Uh, If the shrubbery is maintained by the city or a town and it's their responsibility to trim that, now you have a claim against a municipal body and that becomes complex in and of itself because you have 120 days to notify a municipality of a possible claim against it. If you don't do that, uh, you may waive the right to bring that part of your case. So, Again, I don't know that the question is that's allowed to happen. Um, It's just then sort of working backwards that if a crash or an accident does occur, trying to assess whether those elements or those factors were part of the reason that this happened and part of the reason that someone was hurt. There can be more than one cause for an accident. Um, If you've ever sat through a jury trial in a personal injury case, There's what are called jury instructions, and those are standard instructions that a judge reads to the members of the jury. And when we talk about cause, they focus on the fact that cause is a cause, not necessarily the cause. So there can be more than one cause for an accident. So in other words, it could be someone going into an intersection, speeding, not yielding the right-of-way, but it could also be um, another element, like he mentioned, maybe something that obstructed the view of a driver.
1: That kind of answers the next question I had written down. How is it decided who or what is at fault?
2: That is a really good question, and it depends <laughs> on how the case proceeds. Um, if, if you have an attorney involved and they are able to work with the um, alleged at-fault parties, that's usually the insurance companies, or in the case we just sort of hypothetically talked about maybe a city or a town. Um, those parties exchange information and they try to assess who's responsible for what. Um, so it is possible that a group of insurance adjusters, lawyers, parties like that determine that on their own. If you can't get a case settled, that's when you file a lawsuit and then it becomes either a mediator at some point helping to assess the facts of the case and determine who may be, who may be negligent, who may be responsible. Um, And if you don't get the process resolved through mediation, ultimately it's a jury. Um, Sometimes there are what are called questions of law, which means that a judge has the right to make certain calls before they actually get to a jury. Um, But typically it's a jury. It's a fact finder that Mm -hmm. listens to the evidence and says, here's what we think. And when they get their verdict form, there's a bunch of questions. Was this person negligent? Was their negligence a cause of the crash? Um, So that's Again, it can be very complicated, but that's, in a nutshell, how you start to determine responsibility for a crash.
1: It is Kristen Shireman. It's Law Talk here, the second Tuesday of each month. Taking you right on up until 5 o'clock. We have to take our first time out here. Give us a call, 281 1150 1150 or log on to WHBY.com and click on the Contact Us, and it will get to our email inbox. Back after this on HBY. It's 425 on this Tuesday afternoon. It's Law Talk, taking you up until 5 o'clock. Christian Shireman joining us here in studio from Hurling Clark and somebody else as well. I'll let you do the honors here.
2: Yeah, local famous guy is here. So I, uh,
1: I don't really like that name. I got to say, not, well, it's, not it's, not he keeps choice. calling him. That's it it's call awesome. him
2: by his real name.
0: It's, it's
1: local famous
0: guy.
2: Yeah. Well, then what do you prefer to be called, local famous guy? Uh, you could
0: call me Josh Duclo.
2: Okay, that's cool. That
0: would be one thing you could call me. You could call me Mr. Fresh Take. Some people like to call me that. And um, either
2: way, he's signing autographs right now because he's local famous guy. So. <laughs>
0: You know, I was listening in on the call we got from Gary, and I got to say, I have two intersections just like this near my house, and I was listening with great interest to what you had to say because one of them, it's somebody's shrubs. They're behind their little fence or it's on their property, but they're right on Wisconsin Avenue. So when I come out, I actually have to nose my car into a crosswalk. So first look for pedestrians, Mm -hmm. then nose into the crosswalk just to see the cars coming from the left. And, I, I mean, I've I've wondered this for a while. Would I report them to the police department? Do I call the city? Do I have to go, like, knock on their door and tell them there's an obstruction? Like, what would you recommend in that case? Like, if I wanted to do something proactive, sure. what would I do?
2: So, you know, every city, every municipality, and I know you work a lot with local governments in the area, have their own set of ordinances that they can enact. A lot of them adopt the state statutes, but they can create their own requirements as well. So... You know, you might want to start with the municipality. A lot of times these municipalities, again, we really have great officers around here. Phenomenal. I can't say enough about Appleton, Little Chute, Grand Chute. I mean, go down the list. These are good good women, good men, and they really are out there to try to make the community safe. So, you know, I would certainly say start there rather than knocking on Mm -hmm. a random person's door, which... Could be sketchy, which
0: I really don't want to do. By the way, let's just let's just lay that out. Let's just avoid that (laughs) confrontation. (laughs) But
2: you know, again, if that's the goal, which it really is, making sure that the community's safe, you know, let's prevent this before we have to start doing an investigation about whether that nuisance or that obstruction was part of a crash or a cause of a crash. Call the municipality and just say, hey. I've noticed this now a couple times. I drive around with my kids. I've been nervous to have to enter an intersection. And they will follow up. So they understand what the ordinances are. And again, a lot of times these officers will just go and talk with the individual and give them a chance to write it. It's not that they're automatically going to start fining people, writing citations, because their goal, too, is remediation. right? Fix it. Yes. Let's make it safe. So that's where I would start. Um, And again, I certainly understand how frustrating that is. Um, You know, the difficult part then is once you get to a situation where someone does get hurt, determining, you know, whose responsibility is it? Is it the homeowner, the property owner? Is it the municipality? Um, If it's a power line, is it a utility company? Um, And again, those are the type of situations where if that's part of a case, your lawyer's going to earn their keep. That's that's where you want someone who understands how you have to look into this, right. what type of investigation needs to be done. There are different limits of insurance or coverage if you're suing a municipality versus a privately insured individual. Yeah. But yeah. from a safety standpoint, I'd call the municipality. Well,
0: And so that's the other one. Two blocks up from Wisconsin is where I'm crossing, and it's a yield sign but where that steel guide wire is holding the telephone pole upright, where that meets the ground, some squirrel decided that'd be a great place to plant a nut. Sue the squirrel. And ra- this right? About, uh, clearly, this is what... I- I'm-, I'm fearing I'm going to go to the city and they're going to say, take it up with the rodent that planted the tree. But clearly, somebody was cutting it off because sure. now it's this bushy tree that's probably six, seven feet tall. And it's in the grassy strip between the sidewalk and the road. So that's not private property. That would be public property. So here's where, again, you go to the city, kind of point it out. Yep. And And bring it to their attention so they can do something about it. Yep,
2: they're going to know. Again, as a citizen, I mean, the important thing is that you're bringing it to someone's attention. They then have the resources to understand, do we deal with this? Uh, Who's the responsible party? The other thing, again, not that you want to start to get paranoid and think like a lawyer all the time because we're an interesting breed. But (laughs) when you (laughs) report things, there becomes a paper trail so that if something does happen... Um, there can be at times some supporting evidence that, listen, people knew that this might be a problem. And if someone is hurt, that can certainly help with that individual's claim and showing that this could have been fixed, that something could have been done about this to prevent the situation. And again, that's not really the goal. The goal is to make it safe. So I would always start with the municipality. They've got the resources. They know where to go um, or track down the squirrel. That would just be fun to watch you do
0: (laughs) I do talk to squirrels every once in a while, but That's that'll be awesome. a different show. We'll <laughs> save that for awesome. a different show. I'm not a big fan of squirrels, but anyways.
1: We're going to take our bottom of the hour break here. We will come back. Half the show done, half yet to go. If you'd like to join us, it's 281 1150 866 887. 1150. More law talk with Christian Chireman from Hurling Clark coming up after the news break. It's 437. We continue on this topical Tuesday today. Second Tuesday of each month, it is Law Talk. It's Kristen Shireman from Hurling Clark in with us and very special guest, a local famous radio guy who's popping okay. around to the music over there.
2: For the <laughs> record, it's LFG. And since this is a legal spot, you know how Ruth Bader Ginsburg just goes by RBG? Yeah. Let it be known, today I'm starting hashtag LFG, local famous guy. And anytime you see that, it's all Josh.
0: Oh, wow. I'm not going to stop you from that. No. Isn't I'm not that awesome? Stop you from that. Yeah, that'd be fine. That's,
2: That's the, the would greatest be idea yeah. of all time. Oh, so, I like it. I hashtag I like it. LFG. G. He's yeah. in the house. <laughs>
0: Joey, can you get me on the show more often?
2: That was, that'd be pretty
0: cool. <laughs> F. G. Yeah, we'll she book seems you to be a fan. I like it. I totally. Like it. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh! So
1: today, discussing uh, what to do when there's a car accident, we're yeah. jibber jabbering. What, yeah. what about in this segment then?
2: Um, you know, Josh and I were just sort of chatting about different scenarios that can lead to a crash, but. You know, you hate to be pessimistic um, about what you're going to expect from an insurance company or the people on the other side of a case if you're hurt, but um, you just want to be mindful. Again, no one's thought when you're in a crash is on anything other than, frankly, getting your adrenaline under control and making sure everyone's okay and getting the help you need. But just be mindful of things that you're saying. It's usually common advice that you don't accept fault, uh, you don't make admissions of fault. Um, You're going to be asked, and again, it's well intended, are you hurt? Are you okay? A lot of people say, yeah, totally fine, no injuries. And part of that's adrenaline. A lot of times people aren't hurt. Um, But again, it's not uncommon as an attorney that you see that then used by an insurance company down the line that, you know, you said you were fine. Well, you know, that's Obviously, there's reasons that that could have been true in the moment, and you start to develop aches or pains later on. But But
0: once those words come out of your mouth, that's on the record. Um, So that does carry some weight.
2: Yeah, you can't. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that you can't technically use an accident report in court. It's not admissible. Um, However, I did not know that. See, Hmm, there, we're learning something new. You can't
1: say that again. You can't use an auto accident report in court.
2: No, you have to have the officer come. It's hearsay. So, and then there's statutes that deal with admissibility Uh, of certain documents. So the officer. Officer can come and, and tell you, but you can't just take the officer's report and slap it in front of a jury and say, here's the accident report. It doesn't ah, work.
0: Because that is the officer's perspective of what happened, and he's not there to be cross-examined?
2: Correct. It's a hearsay document. And then there's statutes dealing with admissibility of accident reports, right. but um, not to bore everyone. But <laughs> the, the point is, yeah, once you say it, you know that is probably recorded somewhere, and, and someone might use that. And again, I don't want people to stress yeah. about things like that. Um, we always tell people, you just live your life and, and try to be as honest as you can, and then your lawyer deals with whatever you say. But, you know, just being mindful of what might come down the line and what you're saying now, how that could be used, frankly, against you. Um, but then the most important thing is to just take care of yourself, get the help that you need. If you're hurt, go to the doctor. Um, and, and, again, follow your doctor's advice. Um, insurance companies can only assess your case based on what they know. So if you're hurt, and again, I you know commend anyone who's got a high pain threshold and is going to tough it out at home and just deal with it on their own. But if you're not getting medical help, you can't then necessarily blame an insurance company for looking at the paper trail and saying, you seem pretty fine. Mm-hmm. You haven't been to the doctor once. Um, you can certainly tell them you're hurt. Um, but without a paper trail at some point, your case is only going to go so far. Um, so that's one of the things I talk to people a lot about is, do you really need a lawyer? Um, most lawyers probably aren't going to tell you this, but the lawyer is usually going to get paid. If your case settles, that's how it works. You get a portion of that as the lawyer. You don't always need a lawyer. If if you're hurt and you go to the doctor once or twice and you truly recover and you're back to your full potential, you don't need a lawyer. You can handle that yourself. So. It's just understanding, again, when you might be in over your head. Some of the things we talked about earlier, when you have these complicated theories of liability or you have long-term injuries that are going to require massive changes to your life, loss of income, inability to work, permanent time or long-term time off of work, changes to your family dynamic, that's where you need someone who understands the system, and it can get really complicated with who gets paid back. Insurance companies have rights of subrogation. That's not anything I would expect, you know, somebody walking down the street to understand. So there's certainly a time and place. And I know my partners and I talk often with people who just want to know, do I need help? You know, do I need someone? And I'm always happy to have that conversation. So uh,
0: that's really good advice because I think people, when they get into any situation that could bring them to a courtroom, that— anxiety sure. sets in, right? It's, it's, a, it's a tense situation. We don't sure. know what the outcomes could be. I want to come at this from a different angle, which is I'm one of the people who, like, I keep the non-emergency number to Appleton Police in my contact list. And if I see something fishy, if I see a disabled vehicle in traffic, if I see um, a group of people who are in a fight in a parking lot, I am calling that non-emergency number or if needed, 911. But if it's not an emergency, I'm calling that non-emergency number to let them know... Is that a smart thing to do or am I somehow setting myself up to be tied into something that I otherwise would be uh, free from in a way that could come back to, to be damaging to me?
2: Sure. So if you're the guy who calls, and frankly, I'm the girl who calls, you know that every dispatcher you talk to says, do you want to leave your name or do you want to remain anonymous? So you don't have an obligation if you're trying to be a good Samaritan and call in to give your name. Um, it's certainly helpful as a prosecutor. I also prosecute for a local municipality. It's always nice when you have the identity of the person because sometimes it does help to have them as a witness if there are questions about what they saw, their firsthand impressions. But again, I would never discourage someone from calling in and remaining anonymous. It, it helps. It, it gets, again, it gets the people to the situation who can make a difference, and that's the police officers. There are ways, again, without boring everyone, that a prosecutor can use what was reported to the officer in order to meet certain burdens and make sure that there was reason for them to make a stop or be involved. Um, so, again, don't, don't be squeamish about, am I going to end up a witness in a four-week trial? Right. and have to take off? You this know, all exactly This is exactly my thought. Yes. It's, it's totally rational, and right. I think a lot of people have that thought, but you can remain anonymous. Or,
0: or I'm expecting they're going to say, okay, stay right there. Like I'm actually on my way somewhere, yep. but I've I've had good experiences, and this is why I wanted to make sure that this is not just me. That this is more to be expected. They want to know what yep. you can tell them, yep. and then okay, we'll send someone out, yep. or, or we'll do further investigation. We'll call, or or we'll send a, a local patrol into the area.
2: Absolutely. I, I mean, I just uh, within the last month. Um, witnessed what I thought was an impaired driver. And it was one of those things, as a prosecutor, I'm watching this going, Ugh, <laughs> this probably isn't going to end well. And as it got more egregious, I thought, I've got to do something because someone's going to get hurt. Right. It's a matter of time. And, of course, I'm crossing through like three county lines at the same time. So I'm on with one county, and then they transfer you to the next as you're crossing jurisdictional lines. Oh, my lines.
0: gosh, of course, right. Right. You to get it to the right people.
2: To get it to the right people who can respond. But um, And I remained anonymous. Um, you know where I was at at the time, I think Dodge County, I'm thinking I don't really want to drive to Dodge County if this becomes a trial, but the point was you made the call and then you had people who could follow up, do what they do best and get there and again, prevent a situation where somebody gets hurt. Yeah. I mean that's really most important. If we can avoid some crashes, you don't need the lawyers, that's not a bad thing either.
1: if if both parties agree, say you know the police are on their way, but the one party is is on their way and it has to be somewhere, whatever. If both people agree, can can somebody
2: leave the scene of an accident? You take a chance. Again, the, the statutes can be somewhat specific about requirements. Um, and again, if it's reportable versus non-reportable without getting into the specifics of that in our time today... Um, just because you agree with another party doesn't necessarily mean that you're complying with the requirements of reporting an accident. So, um, you know, we have actually had a situation and, you know, a prosecutor can to some extent deal with that once the, the ticket's written. But we did have a situation where people pulled over, they exchanged their information, and the one party sort of unilaterally said, I've got to get my daughter to soccer and took off. Well, she was issued a citation for leaving the scene of an accident. So- Um, Again, it's important to cooperate, but if if there's any concern that property has been damaged, people have been hurt, your best bet if you want to play this safe is just wait for the police to get there. Again, they're not looking to get people in trouble. They're looking to understand what happened and make sure that everyone's okay.
1: Got a good topic going today. It's Law Talk with Christian Shireman from Hurling Clark. We do it the the second Tuesday of every month. We have one more segment left to get to, 281-1150. If you'd like to be a part of it, 866-887-1150 or log on to WHBY.com and click on the Contact Us. Time now to check out and see what's going on with your money now.
0: Another head bopper over there. Yeah. (laughs) Joey D, bring in the tunes.
2: (laughs) It is awesome. This is just gonna be a music show. Hashtag LFG and good tunes. That's right.
1: (laughs) Kristen Shireman and hashtag LFG joining us here today on the show. It's Law Talk. Only a couple more minutes left to go on the show, just flying by today. The second Tuesday of every month in case you're wondering. You can also catch the podcast in case you missed the show. That's at WHBY.com. Give us a call, 281-1150. A couple more topics that we do want to hit on. a couple more very important ones. The 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 big topic of the day, what to do when you're in a, a car accident. Uh, and another thing that popped in my mind to ask you about photos. Do you get out and just start? Just start snapping photos just so you have proof of such and such. or what do you do as far as taking pictures at an accident scene?
2: Yes. I mean, yes and no. Again, this is all these are all such loaded questions. The caveat is always make sure you're safe. You know, focus on taking care of yourself. But certainly, if if you're able to and you have the wherewithal and it's not going to cause a problem, it is helpful to have pictures. I mean, it's a cliche, but a picture's worth a thousand words. Um a lot of times, you hear insurance companies, if it's a if it's a low damage accident, want to use that to suggest you couldn't have possibly been hurt. We know that's not the case. I mean, there are people that have pretty serious injuries, and you look at the car and think, really? Um, but we've all we've also all seen the news stories where you look at a news story and you cringe because you think no one's going to walk away from that, and they do. So. If you can take pictures, it just helps put part of the story together later, but it's not the end of the world if you don't. Uh, Usually, if cars are damaged, the body estimate places are going to take some pictures at some point just to document what was wrong and what was fixed. So um, again, yeah, all within reason. If you can take some pictures, great. Um, After the fact, you know, it is helpful to take pictures of your recovery. If you had bumps and bruises, uh, surgery, you know, it's really not all that attractive and people don't like taking pictures in their pajamas with their leg up, you know, in a sling. But if you've got family members who can just document your progress, again, it's more powerful to see it than to have someone describe it. So within comfort, again, without going out of your way, don't do anything that's awkward or forced.
0: So assuming we're safe, we've captured some photos of the accident. While we're waiting for the police officer to arrive, can we post those on Facebook?
2: That would be a terrible idea. So that <laughs> okay. is an awesome a question. Nice leading question. Right. Yeah. yeah, way that's, to throw me a softball I'm tr- I'm, there, I'm LG. Ki-
0: that's why you are the hashtag LFG. <laughs> right. I'm trying to kill time till the police come. I'll
2: just throw these photos on Facebook and then tweet about it. Right. And yeah, yeah, no, terrible. So follow Josh's Twitter feed because it's awesome. Do not post <laughs> about your accident on Twitter. And I. I'm not kidding. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up, but it happens. Yeah, we Um, joke
1: about it right now, but this is serious. It
2: happens. And, you know, we live in a world where everything is available online. Um, You know, a lot of people learn about family events through Facebook before they get a call from their kids or their spouses or their parents. So I say that somewhat facetiously, but we live in a very socially... Uh, driven world. And so, um, you know, a lot of that is public, even with privacy settings. It's incredible what you can find out about people by just Googling their name. Um, And we've certainly turned cases away um, because of that. So, for instance, um, I would not recommend that you post to Facebook, I was just in a crash, show me the money, um, which people have done. So that type of thing is not well advised. Um, insurance companies will see this. Um, it will come out of the woodwork. Um, again, we we always give people the advice that you need to live your life and you need to do it honestly. And I don't want anybody changing necessarily how they behave because they're constantly focused on their case. But you do have to be mindful. Um, and Again, if if you're being honest about your symptoms and about what's gone on, it shouldn't be a problem. But where you run into problems is people who suggest that they can no longer work, you know, they can't leave the house, and then there's pictures of them zip-lining in Aruba. <laughs> you know, that creates some dissonance and it it raises a few red flags about how credible are you? So I know that people use social media as frankly a community it's an outlet, and it's, it's great for people to have that camaraderie, and you get the pats on the back, you know, praying for you, thinking of you. If you're going to share anything, keep it very vanilla, very straightforward, not a lot of detail. And most, most times when you meet with a lawyer, they're going to say, as best you can, just sort of avoid anything that has to do with the crash or your injuries while your case is pending on social media. Again, you don't have to take it to extremes. You don't have to cut yourself out of social media world and shut everything down. Um, but everybody's looking at everything. And again, insurance companies are, are going to, for the most part, treat claims fairly. When someone's hurt, you know they have an obligation to make it right. But they also have an obligation to pay valid claims. And so if there's someone out there who's potentially exaggerating their injuries or celebrating the fact that this might be an easy payday, which for anybody who's been in an accident, you know is the furthest thing from what it really is all about. Um, But that certainly matters and it can have a very detrimental effect on your recovery.
0: Yeah, and I know the 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 desire by many people to share this kind of thing for lots of reasons, like you said kristen to to alert people but also then to maybe uh, get sympathy right or make a joke about it that's what we're used to on social media. But when those posts now enter the realm of legal and and admissible yep. and and evidentiary standards right this is when all of those things take a whole different turn It's
2: a culture shift, yeah. and again i I'm not faulting people so it's it's you know, it's habit. You know, you do something funny. I go through the drive-thru for my fifth cheeseburger. You can check my Facebook page. I'm happy to post about that. <laughs> um, but when you're in an accident, you just have to try to change your mindset a little bit. And again, not no nefarious intent usually, but just be mindful.
1: All right. Kristen Charman, uh, you get to last about 30 seconds here. Uh, promote you, and how can people get a hold of you and Hurling Clark?
2: Uh, you can go online, hurlingclark.com. Call us at 739-7366, or check out our Facebook page or Twitter feed. There's lots of good stuff on there.
1: Okay. How about we do this, I don't know, about a month or so?
2: Sounds good. Okay.
1: Second Tuesday of every month. It's Christian Charman, very special guest. Hashtag LFG. Yeah. The local famous guy. Just found him in the hallway. (laughs) Love it. We'll see you next month, Kristen. Sounds good. There she goes, Kristen Shireman and Josh Duclo. All right, coming up, the uh, 5 o'clock taking you home hour. we got your news, weather, sports, business, and all that coming up in the next half hour here on HBY.